Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Words Money Matters. Scott Hansen. And Pat McLean. Glad you're with us today as we talk about financial matters. Uh, take a look at what's happening in the world of finance, the financial markets. The world, of, the world of the world. The world of the world. It is, um, I am fascinated by what's going on in uh, the Ukraine. Just fascinated how um, they have been able to. Are you, have you been, I mean, because it's been top of news for months now. Yeah. Are you, first thing you get up, read uh, the latest stories in uh, the Times and in the journal and I actually check. Post and- I, I, I do. I actually uh, will check the New York Times multiple times a day. You do? On yes. this story? On this story. It is. And uh, in the, in the implications it has on the financial markets oh, and investors and. In the world. And um, it is, I got to tell you, you know, it, it's, um, we should Always remember, never uh, write off the underdog. I mean, just unbelievable. The resilience of the Ukrainian people and uh, as a nation, how they've come together. And not all of them, actually, some of them are separatists and they want it. But um, it is it. Well, on the economic, I mean, cri- crippling economic impact on Europe right oh now is my. just fascinating. Uh, oh, my. My. And it, 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 it will change the global economics. Oh, for at least the next you know, 50 years. So Pat and I, we've both been practicing advisors for 30 plus years, right? So doing this program for 27 years and we talk about financial matters and take your calls and that sort of thing and talk about what's going on in the world. But if you think about from a standpoint, like it was a, it, in the 90s, as the 90s went on, they made a bigger deal about investing international and having your money overseas and the, having a global portfolio and why that was so important for investors, right? Yes, uh, and then if you, but, but may I, Scott, yes, that's it part, oftentimes, that's it actually, oh, I'm sorry. otherwise it would just be it, me with the microphone. It oftentimes, uh, ignored how much U S companies actually had overseas in your, expo- yes. your exposure anyway. Yes. Like maybe it's headquartered in the United States, a U.S. company, but the majority of their revenues and profits come from overseas. C- correct. So the, you know, the investment world was, oh, you've got to use this overseas. And you're like, yeah, I think I got enough. Or there's quite a bit there anyway, just through my U.S. exposure to. And then I think when, when China started opening, which by the way, you still cannot, as a foreign investor, own a Chinese company. Yeah. You can own uh, some sort of a, of a vehicle that, Potentially shares in the success or lack thereof of the company, but it's still controlled by the, the government. That's yes, correct. Don't pre- don't pretend you don't have isn't. a real ownership because it's yeah yes. Um, and and of course, had you been an, an investor in China the last couple of years, it's not been good for you at all. Particularly with the continued lockdowns that they've been doing, it's just been hampering. And then Europe. I mean, if you you think I've, if you thought I'm just going to get out of the the emerging markets, I'm going to stick with some of the more established markets. Europe's been a disaster. I mean, there's a lot. There's factories shutting down because they don't have the energy. Yeah, and and it's not going to fix itself anytime soon. Not going to fix itself anytime soon. And then you look at, you know, we're still feeling repercussions of the of um, the EU and the breakup inside of that. And don't think that. Um, Brexit and all that. Brexit is the first one you're going to see. In fact, I we were on the air back there when they actually formed the EU, and I remember thinking, I don't. In fact, we talked about it. I don't know if it's such a great idea to throw your uh, economic prosperity or future in with a bunch of other countries that you have no really interest in, other than that you <laughs> think it's going to make cross cultures are completely different, completely, languages are different. Correct. Um, it, it, the economics are different. Still Pension systems are different. It is still a big experiment. Well, you, saw, you saw Great Britain leave, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Well, what what what's Germany going to do? You know, they you know they have been the powerhouse in Europe in terms of a growth global economy, just a powerhouse. Yep, big time. And and quite frankly, you know, when they talked about the you know, um what was it? They called it the pigs, right? Um, was it Portugal, Italy, uh, Greece, was it? and Spain. <laughs> Those changed periodically, <laughs> right? They called it, they used to call it the pigs, that was in the news which were Germany was subsidizing them, but Germany could then, 
And they started then changing some of the pension plans in those countries, the government programs, in order to, to, you know, to quit the spending, the government spending, because Germany was insisting on it. But Germany stayed in. Britain left. And, and well, I tell you, well, this, but they, Germany, if they go through a, a deep recession, which is highly likely. We saw the new prime minister of the UK. The first thing she did was to um, cap energy prices for two years for consumers. Six months for businesses, two years for households to cap the price of energy. I'm thinking if you have a shortage of something and you take away <laughs> the profit incentive, how does that help things? Yeah, you mean not let the laws of supply and demand actually uh, yeah. work itself? But it's, I think from an from an investor standpoint, um, it's just a reminder that you need to prepare for anything. Yes, and one never knows what might happen. And the, look, we talk about diversification. All financial advisor people talk about diversification. Diversification is not a way to get rich. You don't diversify to gain wealth. Had Bill Gates diversified he, when he was Microsoft first got to a million or two million dollars, he wouldn't be worth. In all bill. fairness, I'm guessing Bill Gates probably diversified his cup, first couple hundred million dollars. Made sure that yes, made sure they got to the point. Make well as everybody should make sure you, <laughs> whatever you've got at risk, and particularly if it's in a single company or single industry or single property, or whatever that. If that thing goes south, it's not going to derail your lifestyle. Your lifestyle, right? And then after that, it's all like- It doesn't make they, as they, much difference. They call it the house money if look, you were in unless Vegas. You, unless you've got 50 million plus of investable assets, you probably need some pretty strong diversification. Yes. And as you get closer to that time in life where it's retirement age, whether you plan to retire or not, you don't have the years to make back up if something goes south on you. And who knows? I, I'll share a story. I had a friend that was- developing a hotel and he showed me the business plan and he said quote what can go wrong this was um he was developing <laughs> it two years before covid okay he said to me what could go wrong and i was talking about how much of his own net worth he was going to put in it he said what can go wrong i said i would you know bring it how some old was he I uh, was in his 60s. I said, I'd bring in some other investors in order to diversify risk. He said, what could go wrong? After COVID, he had opened in the middle of COVID. I asked him. And what, what, what I said at the time, he said, what could go wrong? I said, we don't have enough time in the day to actually talk about all, all the, the things, things that, that could, could go possibly wrong. go wrong. And I said, and even if we did, we're going to miss some. After COVID, I, we were talking and I said, do you remember that conversation? And he said, yes. And I said, would a national lockdown, <laughs> whatever was that ever in your realm of probability? Was it ever, ever even there? I know it wasn't in mine. Nope. And he said, no. And that's the point of diversification, right? It's okay to take some risk. In fact, and it, it might be, frankly, there might be better opportunities of investing in Europe today than other parts of the world because of the uncertainty. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a great time to invest in equities. Could it get better in the future? Most certainly. <laughs> Which means good prices continue to fall, <laughs> right? Yes. But is it a good time? Yeah. Now? Yeah, I think so. I think it's probably a good time. If you've got the to, time horizon. Yeah. Yeah. Always comes back to how long you've got to, to go. Of course, inflation has been um, going like... Oh, it's it's hard money. to tell, though. What's hard to tell? It's hard, it, it's, it's, it's hard to tell... Well, most certainly is inflationary. My wife. I know. My, well, my son, I talked to him the other night. He said he paid $12 a pound for ground turkey. Where was this turkey raised? I don't know, but he, <laughs> he's like, wherever. He, did, he just moved to, to Phoenix, and his first store he went to, he said, I'm not going back to that store because it cost him 12 pound, bucks a pound for turkey. Oh, good for him. I mean, paying attention. My wife was telling me the other day how much it is to you know, go shopping, and she is a Frugal, frugal shopper. You sound like uh, one of those old uh, school. I mean, your <laughs> wife went shopping. You don't ever shop? Uh, I will shop um, occasionally. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she she likes it, I think. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, my. <laughs> anyway, uh, but first of all, if you want to be part of the program, I'd love to take your call. To join us, 833-99-WORTH is our contact number. And... Um, 
Call that number. We'll schedule time to uh, get you on the air, 833-99-WORTH. You can also send us an email, questions at moneymatters.com. But inflation was um, announced this last week on Tuesday or whatever it was. Inflation numbers came out uh, 8.3% or whatever it was. It was like, it's yeah. not, I was actually, I was, I was kind of expecting a little more decline in inflation than what we saw. As well, were a lot of economists. That, that was my point uh, when I said it's kind of because we started to see gasoline prices fall. Yeah, let's anyway. We've got Andy Stout join us. Andy Stout is uh, Allworth's uh, chief financial, I mean, chief investment officer, and want to hear his perspective on things. Andy, thanks for being part of our program. Thanks for having me, Scott. So, Fed announced uh, who announced who announced the inflation on Tuesday. Somebody announced it, not the Feds. Uh, Commerce the BLS. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Yeah. Okay, and it was what eight something. 8.3% on a year-over-year basis was a headline number, which includes every single item uh, that consumers purchase. And is inflate, what were you guys expecting on your team? Well, a little bit lower. I and mean, when if you look at it, if you look under the hood and in the details, there were a few things that took economists uh, you know, by surprise. Now, we were expecting it to be a little bit lower than the 8.3%. Uh, the reason we expected the drop was just the drop in oil prices coming, you know, from what, $120 a barrel over the past couple of months, now around 85 to $90 a barrel. So that certainly contributed to the drop. However, there's other what I call stickier parts of the inflation underlying components, which are remaining more elevated and suggesting that the Fed is not even close to being done with their job. And what it, and what would those sticky underlying components be? Give us a couple of examples, please. Well, well, the biggest one is shelter costs or your rents, if you will. That makes up about 32% of total inflation. And that just came in much higher than what was expected. So if you look at uh, all, all of that data, the shelter costs were about 0.6% higher uh, compared to where they were the prior month, actually 0.7%, sorry. And uh it just keeps going higher and higher. And that's probably not going to be slowing down anytime soon. Part of the reason is because rents uh, aren't in, don't have a very quick reaction to what's going on in the economy. If you think about your lease that you might have, you know, that could renew annually, right? So the landlord may not be able to make adjustments right on the spot. It might be a few months down the road before they can make the adjustment to uh, reflect what's going on in the economy. That means we're going to see probably shelter costs influencing inflation, uh, at least through the early part of next year. So they have a very long tail. Exactly. Yeah. And also uh, looking at medical care uh, costs uh, were a little bit uh, higher than what was expected. And and just in general, uh, you know, food prices uh, remained high. The The only good thing about this report, Pat, was the drop in energy prices. Other than that, it was just bad all around. And and Andy, some of these cost increases. Uh, a result of, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about how energy prices drive this, but those sectors that you just mentioned seem to be kind of a hangover from the pandemic where there was a lot of movement in housing. Um, prices went real low for a little while on rents um, and then and skyrocket and then skyrocket. <laughs> and then uh, a lot of people have left the medical community. Are we seeing a hangover from the pandemic, which is causing you know, a lack of uh, supply and, and in the supply chain and building new houses was certainly, you know, slowing down. No, I think it's a, a little bit different to that. I think if you look at the components that are moving the most, those tend to be influenced by wage inflation a little bit more. So what you're seeing here suggests that wages are driving the overall inflation numbers. So that's why it makes the Fed's job even trickier to try to, to pull things back. So whether we're looking at housing, I mean, housing is going to, you're going to see the housing prices come down quicker than anything else, but they're so closely tied to mortgage rates. But it's the uh, the rents are going to keep in there. Uh, uh, stay elevated. You're going to see you know, healthcare costs elevated. Uh, you know, if you look all, I mean, there, there hasn't really been much of a reprieve in, in car prices as well. So just looking pretty much across the board, everything's being 
lifted up right now. And that's going to put the, the, the Fed in a bad spot when they go to meet uh, next week on the 21st of September, deciding what they're going to do in terms of raising rates. But how much, <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott, how much of it is liquidity in the marketplace? Just people sitting on piles of cash. What do you, how much is inflation that? Yeah, how much is the how much is it driving? Like if if I have tons of cash right now, I'm willing to pay more for an automobile than I would have if I don't have ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars <laughs> right. in the bank. You got fifty grand saved up for cars, a little easier than if you have nothing saved for that's, a car. That's that's right. And right. and people saved up a lot, at least enough for decent down payments. No, that that's true. And if you look at the savings rate. Uh, with all the fiscal money and stimulus that the government threw into the economy, people had been saving a lot, and, and that actually probably discouraged some workers from, you know, working. So they could just, you know, they didn't have to work, right? Because they already had enough money saved yeah, up, and they yeah. could just yeah. enjoy life however they want. With that all being said, you what you're seeing now is the saving rate has come down, and it's estimated that. People are pretty much out of money as far as what they've been built up and saved. So that savings rate had been a factor, Pat, but I would say it's pretty much a non-factor at this point in time. That's part of the reason we saw some people re-enter the labor force last inflation's month. Inflation's such an interesting thing. And and because it's been so long since we had this high of inflation, m- most of us haven't really, really experienced it. I'm 55, 56. Uh, I remember as a – I mean – I graduated high school in 1984. That's what the tail end of inflation. So I remember my family complaining about it, but it didn't really impact me. And even if you're 65 today, it was imp- it was in your first decade of your career when your wages were going up and it didn't. But so for, I think for most of Americans, particularly those that are getting close to retirement age, like this is a it, it, like how long is this going to last? Because if every year prices go up 6%, 8%, 9%, I mean, it makes it makes a difference on how much money you need to save for retirement. Oh, yeah, it certainly does. I don't think it's going to stay at this rate for a while at all. I mean, it's going to be problematic in the, the shorter run. But if we look out into the Im- intermediate term, and what we see is we, we can take a measure of where inflation is expected to be. We can look at a few different ways. One way is to look at where the bond market expects inflation to be by looking at what's called TIPS, which are Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, looking at the yield of there versus the difference in normal uh, government bonds. And that difference is basically what inflation is being priced in to the market or what's being expected. So if you look one year ahead from today, as of right now at least, what you're expected to see, what the bond market believes, is that CPI, which was released today, which showed 8.3%. Bond market, and I think this is a little you know, bit of a Pollyanna uh, vision, if you will, uh, they're pricing in 2.2%. Wow. Uh, CPI, 12-month CPI uh, at 12 months from now. I don't necessarily believe that, but... That's the broad you know, market, probably, <laughs> right? That's the collective yeah, that's wisdom the, of the market. The consensus. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Yeah. That's correct. So and Fed's meeting again really, next week, right? This coming week for um, mm-hmm. to announce rates, what three quarters percent? Is that what we're, everyone's expecting? Well, that's what everyone was expecting prior to this week's uh, CPI report. Uh, there's now about. 25, 35% chance of a full 1% rate hike uh, when the Fed meets. So they'll definitely do at least 0.75% when they raise rates. There is an off chance that you might see a, a percent hike in there. And talk about the inverted uh, yield curve a little bit, will you? Because that's always exciting, Tom. <laughs> <Well, laughs> let me tell you that. Usually if that's someone's really like talking about going. like a winning sports team, I said, how about that inverted yield curve? <laughs> okay. So, well, take a step back. What does it actually mean? That means short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates, which is not the normal when the economy is growing. And uh, what you see uh, right now is that short-term interest rates – whether you're looking at the two-year bond or a one-year treasury bond compared to a 10-year treasury bond, uh, the shorter-term rates are higher than the longer-term rates. And what that indicates is that there is excess economic risk out there. Uh, now, think of your uh, risk-reward, right? So you're, you're incentivized incentivized to uh, invest in areas that are higher risk because you get a higher reward. Well, there's higher risk in the short run, higher risk of a, a recession. And that's one reason uh, you could say that the short-term rates are higher than the long-term rates. Another thing to keep in mind is that the, a, a long-term bond, like a 10-year treasury bond, that's really just a, a one-year bond rolled over nine more times after it matures. So what's actually priced into that longer-term bond 
is rate cuts. So we know the Fed is raising rates in the short run, but the market's pricing in rate cuts longer out. And why is it priced in rate cuts? Well, because they're expected the economy will slow and the Fed will have to drop down those short-term rates. That's interesting. Riveting, I know. Yeah, no, it's yeah. interesting. So basically, <laughs> the, the market's saying the Fed has maybe gone too far, and at some point in time, uh, they're not going to be able to just keep these these uh, rate increases in place. They're going to have to lower them in order to step on the gas in order to speed up the economy. Is that what you just said? Yes, that is what I said. And actually, the market's pricing in rate cuts next year. Well, so there's the there's good news. I was going to try to find yeah. finish things with what's some good news, and, and the, that's some good news. Oh, I got some good news for you. Okay. We've been through this many times, and every single time the economy, every single time the market has gotten through it, rough patches aren't fun, but you get through them. That's, that is, right. it's, that's it, about it. Thanks, uh, listen, thanks. I believe that. <laughs> thanks, I thanks, believe Andy. that. I appreciate your perspective <laughs> on things. And um, uh, Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm glad you joined us. Uh, it's, it, uh, and you can, it's funny, because you could flip on TV articles, and you can read all kinds of doomsday scenarios. Someone's always trying to sell something. Oh, right? we see it all over. <laughs> you know what's fascinating? We're going to go to calls here in a moment. Uh, I was reading an article about these Bitcoin miners, and so the companies exist just to mine Bitcoin. So I think it started by people doing it in their basement or whatever, and then they got sophisticated. Now there's actual companies that you can invest in. Um, that are Bitcoin miners. So they have all this ex expensive equipment and use all this energy, throwing out random numbers until they hopefully get one right. And then I don't quite know how it works, but it's something along those yeah, lines. And, and they, then they figure out an algorithm that gives them a supposed limited cache of um, So they get Bitcoin. a, yeah. Um, but with the energy too, they got a double whammy, energy prices on the upswing and Bitcoin prices down. And so they, they were saying they can't even un unload the equipment because the equipment Wait, is not worth much. Does this sound like almost any other commodity in the world, like gold or silver, when the uh, price of gold drops at the mining companies or oil, which one of the reasons the oil prices have gone up is because so many came offline and couldn't even sell their rigs two, two years ago. There was no demand for oil. So does Bitcoin just turn into any other commodity but actually doesn't? produce anything is that what you just I, said i don't know what bitcoin becomes i don't know if 20 years from now bitcoin is still a common cryptocurrency or we've moved past bitcoin i have no idea i don't either what i do know is uh if you somehow miss out on being an investor in bitcoin and you have done a decent job saving and getting yourself financially independent it's not going to have any difference on your life if you over overweight in that area and things don't work out, it can certainly have a disastrous impact on your life. I received an email from a gentleman this week asking me if I would be on his crypto broadcast. And I thought to myself, you've obviously haven't listened to our <laughs> show very much. Maybe you should have been. I'm not going on that show. With eight listeners. I have no idea how many listeners, but I'm not going on there Ten to, listeners. to argue some theoretical asset class that has never produced anything. Um, can't produce anything. At least with gold, you can wear it. It's used in industrial manufacturing. <laughs> you can make a to front tooth or something you with it. You can. You can make pens, jewelry, <laughs> crypto. You can't. It's, 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 you're correct. I mean, you can use it to buy an NFT. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't know how you show off your NFT, though, either. Uh, at least you drive a Lamborghini. People see your bright green Lamborghini. You're into that sort of thing. Oh my! I don't have a Lamborghini. I don't. My nor, car nor is desire. white. <laughs> nor any desire to have a Lamborghini. <laughs> but anyway, uh, would love to take your calls if you'd like to join us. Eight three three ninety nine worth is our number. Eight three three ninety nine worth. We can talk about all things financial, and we're going to talk here with uh, Bob in Arkansas. Bob, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Oh, hey, Scott and Pat. Uh, greetings from Northwest Arkansas. Well, thank you. Um, hey, I've got, uh, other than crypto, no, I'm not going to ask about that. Uh, question, a uh, couple of questions. By the way, really quick. Uh, I've, I, I think I was only in Arkansas once, super briefly, so it didn't really count. But my son just rode his bike through Arkansas. He rode his bike across the United States. He said Arkansas was his favorite state. He says people were not only super friendly, but everything was stunningly beautiful. He loved it. 
Oh, yeah, I worth. live up in the north northwest uh, part of Arkansas, you know, home to Walmart, Tyson, and J.B. Hunt. So it's a absolutely a beautiful place. I <laughs> I moved away and then came back uh, six years later because uh, my wife and I missed it so much. That's, right. not, that's nice. So what can we do for you? Thank you for your commentary in the travel show, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, I, want to, I want to get your perspective on a couple of things. I just wanted to be there. I'm in Northern California. It's smoke filled with the fires. We got to can't have a run the air conditioner because we got to Listen, can't charge Scott, the electric car because we got to shut down the power. Arkansas sounds pretty good. I believe that if you really wanted to be in Arkansas tomorrow, you could be in Arkansas tomorrow. All right, fair enough. Bob, continue, please. All right. Uh, well, hey, question. I want to get your perspective on how I'm thinking about Social Security. So I've got a situation where I just turned 60. My wife is 61, so she's a year older, and she is only going to qualify for spousal benefits. Uh, she uh, did a great job, stayed home with our four boys, and raised uh, you know perfect gentlemen over her uh, kind of uh, <laughs> 38, 39 years of uh, being a mom. And, and so now I'm starting to work through, and I'm always a planner, so I'm planning ahead, obviously. Uh, and so I'm trying to work through how I should think about uh, claiming for Social Security, because when I, when I break out the Excel spreadsheet and I start looking at claiming strategies, I kept thinking, okay, you know, assuming a long life expectancy later is going to be better, but given she can only claim what I claim and that her, you know, essentially there's no benefit to her benefit or there's no increase to her benefit by waiting beyond her, uh, I guess, my full re- retirement age. Uh, am I actually better off trying to claim a little bit earlier? So, what? you know, I'm thinking that I probably want to claim at 65 or 66, you know, when she would turn 67. Are okay. you working or retired? Uh, well, that's kind of another story too. I've, I've tried to retire a couple of times, but, um, I've been told that I have to find a place to be between nine and four <laughs> Monday through Friday. Yes. <laughs> so I am, uh, I am working part time. Let's put it that way. It, it, at, at various sort of uh, endeavors. And so there used to be years ago, there was a thing where you could actually do what's called file and suspend. And then your spouse yeah, could actually, gone. but they got rid of that. And that was a technique we used to use quite a bit with clients, but that when's your full gone. retirement age? 66 be, and a half or 66? That would be 67. Okay. Yeah, so I was born in 62. And what is your net worth excluding your residence? Uh, around 5 million. Okay. And what would your income, let's leave Social Security out of it. Let's say you retired at 65. What do you think your income would be? Uh, oh, just from uh, inv- basically drawing on my, uh, drawing from my investment? Yes, or pension. Uh, but, yeah, okay, no pension. So strictly, uh, you know, a combination of brokerage, 401k, and uh, uh, Roth accounts that I have. What do you have? What do you? What, kind of, what do you have in your 401k? Taxable retirement accounts. About uh, three and a half. Okay, one point five. So your income would be. A couple well, your hundred, required minimum distributions are going to be over a hundred thousand. At at a much right. much more than at age seventy two, right? Assuming there's some growth between now and 70. Yeah, so we've got 12 years. So here's what – we're not going to give you the answer you want, um, <laughs> which is you want an answer. If you were sitting – Well, there's some – first of all, there's some much more sophisticated software programs than an Excel spreadsheet that deals with these, this very topic because there's 80-some-odd ways you can claim Social Security. Yeah. Um, but that's not his his risk. Your risk is legislative risk. Your risk is legislative risk. So I'm 60. I turned 60 in November, the 28th, if you want to send something. Um, I think about it, and I, I will postpone that decision um, until I quit working. And um, obviously, you can start uh, taking Social Security – earlier if you quit working and it makes sense. But the reality is between now and then, we're going to watch what happens legislatively. And your your danger, the danger that you have is that um, they're going to say you have too much money and you can't get Social Security or we're going to tax more of your Social Security. Yeah, when your required minimum distributions are 150, 200,000. They're, yeah. they're going to say, hey, look, you don't, you don't need you don't need this anymore. That would uh, be my concern if I were in your shoes. So, so you yeah, wanting so, to? Well, it sounds like argue argue then would be argument would be to, to go sooner rather than later. That's right. That is yeah, right. Yeah. When you turn your when you get your full retirement age. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. I it's, wouldn't do beforehand. 
That, no, I would not do it beforehand. Because you're still working some, right? Yeah, yeah, consulting and some part-time stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, not you know, it's probably about a third of the income I was making before. But when so. you when you quit working, and actually, if you if you were with one of our advisors, and they said when you quit working, I wouldn't even say when you say you quit working. I'd say six months after you say you quit working, because you might go back after that. You can always stop Social Security. You should start it as soon as you possibly can, because of the legislative risk involved with you. Losing Social Security. And it could happen any time between now and the day of your death where they say, hey, look, we don't have enough money in the Social Security Trust Fund. We need to make some cuts. Who do they cut? The person that's making, that's living solely on Social Security or, you know, fat cats like you, Bob, that millionaires who have saved well and worked hard. And that's right. Right. But that's who it's going to affect. So you can't put that into a spreadsheet. Legislative risk is you cannot put that in the spreadsheet. From what we know now, you should take it as early as you possibly can. So the theory that we have is if you don't need it and you're not working, take it as quickly as you can. If you really need it, or even may probably, if, if you mostly need it, wait as long as possible. Wait as long as possible. Right. Yep. So, well, that, so, yep. so would you? Would you? So would you take it then at sixty-two? If I wasn't working. Until, if you were walking, if I wasn't working, got yeah. It. But you okay. shouldn't do that because you're, you're probably going to be working. And I wouldn't yeah, want to. What's that? I think I think you're right. I mean, I, I unless I can find a place to be from nine to four during the week where I can, you know, <laughs> you can always get on the bus, and just drive around, ride around in the back of the bus. Um, yeah, no, no. You should take it as as soon as you're sure that you have left the workforce permanently, or pretty sure. You can always suspend Social Security once you start it. If you go back into the workforce, you should start it because it's. You know, I can tell you, if I was 62 and was not working, I would start Social Security at 62. Regardless, it didn't matter whether I needed it or not, because my feeling is. There's going to be cuts between yeah. now and the day I well, die. Well, you're in a financial situation where you're not going to be dependent upon Social Security for your retirement. Much income. like Bob. Much, much like, like Bob. many of our listeners. Much like, like many of our listeners. Right. Okay. No, that, yeah, that's great. So, I, and, mean, you I was know, thinking how, earlier, I, but you... You, you know what? Because one thing... What, well, none of these calculators take into impact. What What's the... What's the probability of not receiving 100% of those future payments, right? So if you are going to go buy a bond today, let's say a 30-year bond from the U.S. government, you know the government's going to pay you back because they can just keep printing the dollars. So it's super easy for them to pay it back. If you're going to buy a 30-year bond from some company, you're going to say, hmm, what's the likelihood of them paying back? You're going to demand a higher interest rate than the government would give you because there's, even if it's a small chance, there's some chance that that company's not going to exist. What? So you would factor that in. And that's what so many, of the, none of these calculators factor that in whatsoever. What if you bought a 30-year bond from the government and the government got to decide that it could stop payments whenever it wanted because you have too much money? What would you do? You'd yeah. say, I want my interest as early as I possibly can. Right. If you were forced to buy a now, bond. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the future with Social Security, right? It's anyone's guess. What we do know, it's going to, the trust fund is scheduled to run out of money in 32 or 33, somewhere in there. There's not enough money. If, if they don't make any changes, there's going to be an automatic, it's about 22% cut across the board. There's no way an 88-year-old widow who's getting $822 a month is going to have a 22% reduction. Politically, it's not possible, right? So there's there, eventually, this is the third rail for Congress. That's why they never touch it. Eventually, they're going to be forced to because if they do nothing, all their constituents who are retired are going to get hurt, and they're not going to want that. They're going to go to where the least pain is. That's our opinion, and that's the people that can not yeah. have much pain. Your thoughts, Bob? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, make, it, makes, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Do I have time for one quick question? Sure. Uh, other question. Uh, long-term care for me, uh, it, uh, I had a mother that passed away from uh, dementia. And so as I thought about, you know, kind of my financial situation or our, our financial situation, my wife wants to definitely stay in the house that we have, you know, until, you know, we both pass away. And, and so as I thought about 
potentially long-term care, given there is a bit of history in my family, although right now I'm in uh, really good health, uh, you know, should I think about getting long-term care for me or insurance, or should I just self-insure given my uh, level of assets? Well, you can easily self-insure. Um, you can easily self-insure. And if you were to choose to insure some portion of this, I wouldn't be so concerned about a year or two of long-term care, which is most long-term care. It's only a year or two. If you're going to insure anything, it's the multiple-year uh, dementia of 5, 10-plus years, right? So what that would mean is, is using some sort of policy that has a really long waiting period, maybe even a two-year waiting period, and then um, as much benefit as you can get. I don't know if anyone's still right in lifetime um, but, benefits But, but if you think about the waiting yeah. period before the policies pay in, it's... Um, Same as deductible. It's just, it all it means is deductible. The higher your deductible on your house and your car, the lower the premium payments because the insurance company doesn't take it till the big risk hit in. And so you can insure easily your whole lifetime in long-term care uh, with these sort of assets and assuming that you continue to manage them in a responsible manner. And you might want to look at there's some single premium. Um, we're not huge fans of permanent life insurance just because they're so often missold, but there's some interesting products out there, single pay <coughs> whole life or single pay universal life that have a, 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 a long-term benefit, long-term care rider. And it's essentially the same as having a, this long-term waiting period because you burn through your first dollars first before the your insurance. deposit. Yeah, so might you might put in a hundred thousand or hundred hundred fifty thousand or two hundred thousand. It's your asset. You don't use it. Um, th there's a death benefit there. Should you when you eventually pass away, if you do use the if you do need long term care, you spend your dollars first. So it's it's a kind of a compass. It's I think I mean if you if you said I definitely want long term care insurance, we would probably steer you that route first. Um, but. But you can self you can self insure easily. Okay. Okay. All right. No. Great. Uh, yeah. Great information. So thank you. All right. All I right. appreciate you being a listener to our podcast. Um, yeah. I assume. Yes. yes. You assume. You assume he listens to our podcast. I assume that's how we got. He's to in us. Arkansas. That's why we're not uh, we're broadcasting not in too Arkansas. many stations anymore. Yeah. So I, who, I mean, Trefto Radio itself is on yeah. the downward spiral a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, hey, real quick, we were talking about Social Security. I um, want to let you guys know we have a Social Security virtual workshop coming up. Um, the workshop is five steps to unlocking Social Security. And look, not everyone's like Bob, who we just had a conversation with, right? There are many, the majority, vast majority of Americans are going to need their Social Security um, to rely um, on some income. And not only that, I mean, if you saved well, maybe, and you're trying to figure out how do I maximize? There's different ways you can do things. And some of it, like, are you trying to maximize for the, have the maximum amount of dollars to pass to your heirs? Are you trying to maximize as much income during your lifetime, et cetera? And so uh, we'll cover all these things. September 21st and September 22nd uh, is the virtual workshop. Uh, and yours truly is the, uh, will be the presenter. Are here. You, you're presenting this. Yes, sir. Um, so simply go to allworthfinancial.com forward slash workshops to register. Again, September 21st, September 22nd, uh, allworthfinancial forward slash All right. And Scott, while we're promoting um, our firm Allworth, <laughs> I went... The shameless act of... Uh, uh, well, I went through and read some uh, of their, our podcast reviews as I am apt to do. Um, and my, let me, my guess is you spent more time on the negative reviews. Oh, uh, Maybe. <laughs> So I and then I, you get all frustrated. And then, no, I don't get frustrated because some of them are, well, they, they, they promote their business on the show and you know, they need to stop promoting their business on the show. Look, say those in the reviews if you want, or just go to this virtual workshop, learn something the same way you're listening to this podcast and then don't use our services. If you don't want to, it's not going to bother us. Right, we put it out there in the world. This is what we do. This is who we are. If you've got an interest in engaging us for your financial planning or investment needs, then do so. If you just want to consume all the information that we put out there and not pay us a dime for it, then, then do, do that so. as well. Yes, of course. So, or just go ahead and write more negative reviews. <laughs> so the pack can get frustrated <laughs> late at night. I don't get frustrated. When he can't sleep. I just—it's hard for me to understand people sometimes. It just like. 
I'm a, I'm a longtime listener and, and they promote their show. Well, then, then quit listening. I mean, that may, might be the. Oh, is that what people are complaining about? Yeah. It might we be promote, the, promote a firm. Yeah, we, of course I promote my firm. I'm a businessman. Would you not want me to promote my own firm? No, don't promote your firm. Why? Yeah, I don't know why promotions. Are we're not running thing. commercials in our podcast. That's not how we're making any money. No, and for good reason because we've been we've been approached a number of times over the years. Like we're fiduciaries, right? So we have a legal duty to put our clients' interests ahead of our own as our being uh, running a financial advisory firm, and like we don't. We got to be careful. I mean, yes. we could say, "Oh, sure, mortgage brokers, mortgage company, we go insurance company, go ahead and advertise in here." But we, we choose. Well, we don't. We so that's out. enough on that subject. But if you do uh, listen to our podcast, please be kind enough to leave us a review. Yeah, because um, Pat will read the review, and um, we'll be so. Uh, it's, it's time for the Money Matters House Call. House call. Where we check in on a caller from the past show to see how they're doing. Yeah, so we uh, essentially, this is, um, we're trying out the segment. I think it's the third time we've done it or something. Yeah. And you can let us know if you like it or not. On and the- I got this from listening to Click and Clack years ago, the Tappet Brothers, which was a Do they still radio- run that? I don't know if they still run it, but I was a, a fan of it. I don't know anything about cars, but I enjoyed the show. And they would follow up. Six months after they gave someone a recommendation about how their car or fix a car or whatever, and then they would follow up to see how it went. And so I thought, let's see if we could do it with money. All right. And that's how we came to this. Well, in October of last year, we spoke to a guy named Dave. Dave's not an Allworth client, but he called us. Not sure if he's a radio listener, podcast listener. Regardless, we still love him. Uh, he wanted to know whether it was a good idea to invest in crypto at the time, um, last October, I don't know where Bitcoin was, but things were sky high <laughs> for sure. Um, so uh, here's a clip from that call. I'm, I'm in my late 50s. I'm a fairly conservative investor. I've got a, I've got a pretty nice 401k. I own a house uh, with, with, with quite some equity, probably $1.5 million in equity. I have a, a, a small investment account. I'm, I'm, I've got some stocks. And then I also, I've been working for the last seven years for a company that's been very generous with RSUs. And as I vest in those, I have a tendency to want to divest because I'm very heavy in that one company. Yep. And so okay. I want to, I so I sell them, not all of them, but, but quite a bit of them to, to divest. And as I, as I sell them, I, I, it frees up a little bit of cash and I look around and I think, you know, what do I want to invest in? And then I start reading about Bitcoin, Ethereum, cryptocurrency. And it, from what I'm reading, every single person who's ever touched Bitcoin is now a multi-billionaire mm-hmm. and everybody's rich. And I've always thought of that as a very shaky, very nebulous, not something I'd want to get into. I'm a little bit risk averse. I'm a little bit more conservative. But everyone seems to be jumping on the bandwagon. And I'd like to hear about from someone who knows what they're talking about, what they think of that. So uh, I don't think anyone really knows how this Bitcoin That's story right. <laughs> is going to end. That's right. Um, That's why it's so volatile. There's some strange things behind it. And this whole concept of having to mine it, where it takes power, it takes energy. I mean, the majority of our power in the world still comes from fossil fuels. So we are taking fossil fuels to mine a digital product that, that does. It makes no, I mean, it makes no sense it's from that standpoint. It's a, why would you create anything like that? So if, if no one really knows how it's going to end, I see it as highly, highly, highly speculative. Um, and by the way, when you read about uh, everyone that touches it turns to gold, that's true because that's the narrative. That's If you read it and said everyone that touched this thing lost all their money, then you wouldn't. There wouldn't be a story. There the wouldn't be a wouldn't story, right? There wouldn't be a yeah. story behind it. If you go to TikTok or any of the other social media pages. Um, Isn't that where I'm supposed to get my financial advice well, from? Yeah. It, <laughs> Only the short videos, yeah. Yeah, it's it's there. I wouldn't, uh, I, if I was, I wouldn't touch it. Unless you had okay. hundreds of millions of dollars and you could throw something at it and not worry about it. But you said you're a relatively conservative investor. I am, and, and I don't have... I, I, don't, I don't have, have a dime in it. I, I don't have a penny in it. Like, how much would you want to actually allocate, even if you wanted to... You're not going to well, bet enough that it's going to impact your life, you, your livelihood. What, what scares me more than anything is the exchanges that you hold it on. Right. 
the Coinbase's and, the, and yeah. all those and then other look ones at the, that just, are that are, just read a story of the guy in uh, Canada had this own thing and every two hundred and fifty million dollars fakes his own death in the Middle East. Boom, done, gone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I understand. So that 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 makes me feel a little bit better yeah. knowing that you guys are are, are not yet ready to to recommend it no. even even to the non risk averse. No. No, no. So I have one more follow up question, sure. and it's it's a little bit similar. And I've also been reading a lot about NFTs, mm-hmm. um, artwork that's created digitally. That I don't um, get it. You know the 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 bored apes. Yeah. Um, no. Non fungible tokens. Yeah, I don't get it. Exactly. I don't get it. I don't care. Okay. You know, because it's the people that played Pokemon cards when they were young are now grownups. And now mm-hmm. they get to trade Pokemon cards, but in a digital format. I don't get it. Okay. I, don't I get think it. it's all based on the greater fool theory. There's going to be a greater fool in the future who will pay more than what you paid for. But then again, I don't. Well, I mean, if you, yeah, if you look at some of them, people were buying them for there's $500. No there's, and, no, there's, no, there's, there's no question. There's people. Now. There's probably billionaires or at least uh, multimillionaires off cryptocurrency. Like, there's, But there's a market for, for uh, tennis shoes as well that are, are limited editions. Yep. So that was Dave uh, back in October of 21. And we have Dave. Uh, here with us today. Welcome back to the show, Dave. Um, hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, what a what a difference um, a year what makes. A, a few months. <laughs> what a difference a few months make, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. You guys are are sounding very uh, very prescient. Very uh, ability. <laughs> you 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 have an ability to, to you you said something about volatile and a lot of people losing money and and don't invest in Bitcoin unless you are willing to lose it. I think is is some of the things you told me, and and boy, a, a lot of that proved true. The, the volatility has been off the charts, and it's not it's not because we can have any sort of prediction of the future. It's just that we've seen enough of these over the years. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that and look, who who knows? I mean, Bitcoin might go back and back up to hit new highs. I don't know. Well, I think, I think one thing I've learned since our conversation the last time, besides the fact that, that you would probably be foolish to invest money that you didn't, you were not okay to lose. Like I, it's almost like a, like going into a casino and saying, okay, I've got this hundred dollars. If I lose all hundred dollars, I'm going to get a few, uh, I'm going to get a couple of cocktails and I'm, and I'm not going to be sad if I lose it all. Um, I think that was, is, is kind of it. But one thing I have learned is I do think that there is some validity to the idea of blockchain technology. A hundred percent. Totally agree with you. you. The, yeah. The, the technology behind it, I think has <laughs> some valid purpose in life. I totally agree with you. I don't quite understand it. Uh, just like I don't understand how my, tel- dig- my, yeah, my iPhone works either. But, but it's a digital I ledger. Under- I can understand the benefits the, yeah, and the digital ledger and why that there's a, clearly a commercial use for that. But yeah, it seems like the ledger, argument of Bitcoin exactly right. so often the people would point to the benefits of the digital ledger as as the reasoning behind why Bitcoin or some other crypto is make makes a lot of sense. I said, that's just a, a product that's built upon that technology. It's not right. so. Yes, I believe the technology could be transformative, but that one particular product that that's was right. built may or may not that's right be transformative that's right so, yeah i mean yeah i, I kind of look at it like almost like the internal combustion engine the internal combustion engine was a great piece of technology but the people who bought edsel's or 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 um corvairs may not agree that's with right them. that's yes. r- that's right and you know and what dave there might be some at this point saying look how bad we've destroyed the planet as a result and we <laughs> oh but yeah. combustion but but engine. but but what, what yep. was interesting in listening to that is i had forgotten the conversation completely about the exchanges and yeah the exchanges yeah. are the ones that just yeah. have been and and by the way the trading volumes way down yeah, yeah. well not only yeah. that is is that they oftentimes were actually paying yeah. interest that they couldn't afford and <laughs> That's right. and House i mean you know when coinbase underwrote uh was it it used to be staple center and now it's coinbase center right. and now am i That's got right. this right right is it coinbase yep. center is that what they call it? Yeah, it used to be staple. Whatever it is now, um, it's a crypto of some sort. It's yeah. Oh, is it? Is it crypto? Or, know, it's one of those. I mean, it's crypto. Crypto. It's crypto.com, crypto. right? right? When that happened, there, there was one that had Coinbase's name. I believe oh, there was right, one that had right. Coinbase. Oh, got it. <laughs> but when that started happening, when that uh, that was when you I knew thought, man, were- eh, we're pretty close. We're getting close. We're getting close. So, Dave, I, I guess you did not invest in any crypto last year. 
I sure didn't. And, 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 you know, based on the the value at the time and the value now, I think I, I don't remember exactly, but I, I know it was in the fifties. I, I think it was 52 or 54, mm. or 55,000. And it's, I, I, I don't keep a close eye. It's around I think 20. It's in the 20s. Yeah. It's, it's about 20. So I would have lost if, if if not more, I would have lost minimum fifty percent of my investment had I had I done it. So I'm I'm happy to take your advice, but but you guys hit it on the head. Was don't invest money that you're not you're not willing to lose, and you might lose all of it, especially if these exchanges uh, suddenly disappear and and go away. And there's really no the moment you get into the digital ledger world, there's not a lot of regulation. It doesn't seem that's another thing I've learned. Not about now. That doesn't seem it's really common. highly regulated, which is attractive to some people, but certainly not attractive when it comes time to let's find my money. Where did my money go? It's, yeah. it's well, not hey, it's not now, but it will be regulated. Dave, thanks for joining us again. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. Love it. Love, love it. Thanks so much for your advice. And uh, I'm going to continue on on a well-advised investment strategy that you guys are <laughs> okay. uh, you guys right, recommending. Thanks. I appreciate you it. You know, what's interesting, Pat, is uh, you still read articles about how someone lost their life savings by some crypto bank. And I'm always fascinated that, one, people are foolish enough to <laughs> not have any sort of diversification and put all their life savings in some crypto bank that's supposedly paying them 18%. And two, even more interesting, is the fact that they're willing to expose themselves in some sort of national format of telling their story. Yeah, well, I had an Uber driver uh, tell me he put his whole life savings into it. Six months ago, he was telling me. He he asked me was, what I did. You were the last Uber ride. He was telling you, uh, "What's that? You were going to be this last Uber ride." <laughs> I don't, he was making so much money. In crypto. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. He was. Anyway, it's it. But but the idea that it's not being regulated, um, that's one of the reasons uh, they've been able to pump it so much is because it's not regulated because none of the rules surrounding uh, traded securities uh, surrounds these, and it will be regulated um, soon soon and it will stop all this social media hype and all this garbage that goes around it pump and dump stuff yes yeah all right hey it's been great having you with us we appreciate uh we're glad we have an audience frankly um that's what uh why we continue to do the program so thank you for being part of all worth financials money matters glad you were with us we'll see you next week This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.